This week, starting Wednesday, December 15th, we have the opportunity to observe an ancient Roman practice that goes back to the apostles themselves. And we can offer God something special in a united, communal way. You know how sometimes we need motivation to do something? How even though you know it's what you should be doing, it helps to have friends do it with you to supply that sort of needed push. Well, let's do this together, my friends. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the traditional Roman calendar, this week, the third week of Advent, is called Ember Week. And the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday of this week are traditionally the days called the Ember Days. But it's got nothing to do with embers from a fire. It comes from the Latin phrase meaning four times, or we could see it as the four seasons. There are four of these ember weeks throughout the year, one in Advent for winter, Lent for spring, and the Pentecost octave for summer, and one in September for autumn. They are all about doing a very challenging thing for us, at least very challenging for me. They're about fasting. I'm always amazed when I see the length to which people go for health or fitness, the rigorous dieting, fasting, exercising, pushing oneself to the limits. We need to have at least some of that same determination to achieve our eternal health or our spiritual fitness, if you will. Ember days are days of fast and abstinence. They used to be obligatory for the whole of the Latin church. And they have a very particular purpose. St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that in general, fasting is directed to two things. The deletion of sin and the raising of the mind to heavenly things. Fasting is for our own good. And for this reason, he says, that we need to have periods of fasting at the times most appropriate to penance and to raising our minds to God. That makes sense, doesn't it? How can we do this with only two fasting days a year, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday? Well, until 1966, the whole Catholic world had many more obligatory fasting days. They came in three distinct types. The whole of Lent was a time of fasting because that's, of course, the supreme time of penance and preparation for Easter, the Feast of Feasts. And it was like that also for vigils, the days before certain major feasts. So we're also days of fast, so preparing us to celebrate and raising our minds to God. But the last group of these four sets of, were these four sets of ember days, which divide the year into quarters. These ember days go very far back indeed. In fact, they're traditionally linked with the stages of the agricultural cycle. The ancient Romans had religious ceremonies based around their agriculture. They had June rites for a good harvest, autumn were for good wine vintage, December's were for the seeding. Now, we all know that the Church tries, where possible, to sanctify the traditions of those 
that the church converts. Remember St. Paul and the altar of the unknown God. So what could be more fitting than this Roman tradition? Now, by this cycle of fasts, the church has us thank God for gifts of nature. She teaches us to use them moderately. And the church has us reflect on the season that has just passed and the one that is now to come. In fact, St. Leo the Great and several other ancient writers believe that these ember days go back to the apostles themselves. And given that they are so quintessentially Roman, perhaps they specifically come from St. Peter. But so few of us are involved in agriculture today. So what relevance could they possibly have for us? Well, St. Paul wrote to the Ephesians about redeeming the time. He said, See to it, therefore, brethren, that you walk with care, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not become foolish, but understand what is the will of God, and be not drunk with wine, for in that is debauchery, but ye be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are powerful words for us today, both in the run-up to Christmas, of course, with all the parties and excess, and also in this terrible crisis in the world. Redeeming the times because the days are evil, said St. Paul. How can we redeem the time? Well, St. Thomas tells us to see each of the three ember days, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, as relating to the three months in each season. Many businesses, in fact, have quarterly reviews, where they look back over how things have gone and then look forward, forecasting for the next quarter. And we could see the ember days like this. We, too, can do our quarterly review, this time examining our own spiritual progress in October, November, and December. And then we could do penance for the sins of each month, or we could gratefully call to mind the graces and good things God's done for us in each of those months. An Ember Week quarterly review is an opportunity for us to look back over the last season. It is exactly what successful businesses do. And so we can go on in the future as well and ask ourselves what we can do in the next three months, praying for the graces that we need in January, February, March. Who knows what we will need in those times what God might think to grant us in those times. We need to know what to ask for, but we don't, because we don't know the future, but God does. God alone knows what's coming in these next few months, what they hold for us, what the world, in fact, has in store for us. But it would be wise, therefore, for us to do penance and ask for what we need to persevere in the time ahead. The saints and fathers of the church often tell us that we cannot overcome serious struggles without serious prayer and fasting. This is because, in the words of St. Augustine, fasting cleanses the soul, raises the mind, subjects one's flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble, scatters the clouds of concupiscence, quenches the fire of lust, and kindles the true light of chastity. Enter again into yourself. End quote. This is our main duty to cure ourselves with God's grace from the afflictions of sin. Have you ever noticed that with a full meal and plenty of dessert and perhaps good wine, temptations to sin become stronger? 
And that when we do engage in a bit of fasting or self-denial, those temptations, the same temptations, are much more easily swept away. I've noticed that. But in addition to our own self-control, there are other things that need cures too. Not the least of which, the evils afflicting our society currently. In the Gospels, there's the story of the man who fell at Jesus' feet and begged for help. He said, Lord, have pity on my son. His son was afflicted by an evil spirit, and it tried to make the son hurt himself, throw himself into the fire, cut himself, even kill himself. And the man says to Jesus, I brought him to your disciples. But the distraught father adds, and they could not cure him. Now the Lord, of course, cures his son with a word, But afterwards, his disciples come to him and ask him why they weren't able to cure the son. And Jesus' reply is this. Because of your unbelief, he said, if you have faith, nothing shall be impossible to you. But he added this. This kind, speaking of this kind of demon, is not cast out except by prayer and fasting. Now, here's something very interesting. What's going on in our world today? As we know, it appears as if A dark, demonic force is driving our world to destroy itself, just like the boy in the gospel, be it through abortion, euthanasia, blasphemy, heresy, or this satanic tyranny of the Great Reset revolution we see all around us today. Those purporting to be our shepherds, those, by the way, who relax the fasting of the church, they are like the apostles in the gospel. They seem unable to help us. Could our Lord not also condemn their unbelief as well? And like the boy's father in the gospel, perhaps we can hear our Lord saying to us, If you can believe, all things are possible. And perhaps we are tempted to cry out with that poor father, I do believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. Is it not worth picking up the tools that Christ commanded us, prayer and fasting? as a means to overcome these difficulties. Perhaps then Christ will have pity on us and will rebuke these demons. And then like that boy, the world will fall down as if dead, because that's what happened to the boy. But what did Jesus do then? Taking him by the hand, he lifted him up and he arose. Prayer and fasting. In all things, of course, there has to be common sense and moderation. We're not talking about starving yourself to death. We're talking about three days, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. But what better start could we make than by observing the practices that our own grandparents observed not so long ago and conforming ourselves to the traditional rhythm of the church's fast? In fact, these are not some bygone practice, even Today, the ordinariate, the Anglican ordinariate, has these ember days in their calendar. Much longer ago, Advent was a time of greater penance. And seeing as the penitential preparation for Christmas is now so mild, we could be even more fervent in observing the fast of these ember days. It's only three days. Tomorrow, Wednesday, this Friday and Saturday. So, for Christmas for the next three months, and for whatever it is that lies ahead. Let's prepare for these things by observing these three fast days on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. It would help me to do them by knowing that you're doing them with me. And there's a special value in doing things together 
especially when they are according to the practice of the Church. St. Francis de Sales says, Although we may be able to do but little, the enemy, referring to Satan, the enemy nevertheless stands in awe of those whom he knows can fast. End quote. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston. And may God bless you. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to LifeSiteNews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe, and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.